You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number eight. I'm John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. I'm a contributor for Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, and uh, joining me uh, for another Eagles preview, we're looking at the Eagles versus Buccaneers coming up here uh, on Sunday afternoon, is, of course, the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com, the great BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton. BLG, how you doing, buddy? John, I'm going to have to blow your cover here because we were just having some great pre-podcast discussion about how you are recording <laughs> live from a basement. So that's just awesome. Yeah. I'm going to post the pictures on my Twitter feed of where I'm recording right now because, you know, when I was t- I was telling Brandon before before we started here, normally when I record, I record from home and I have a I have an office I have a, in my basement. You know, it's a finished basement and it's a nice little setup, you know, and I've got a comfortable workspace and all that. And it's it's it works out really nice. This weekend, I'm uh, my sister's getting married up here in the Philadelphia area. Normal. I am. I'm in northern Virginia. And so uh, I'm up here uh, in the Philadelphia area for my sister's wedding, staying with my parents at their house. And I am down in my parents' basement, and it is most decidedly not finished, BLG. Um, and as I look around, uh, there is... Uh, it, listen, it's a dry basement. It's warm down here. I have actual lighting. It's it's So it's I'm perfectly good to do a podcast from here, but uh, it definitely does not feel like home. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it that way, man. It is always said that bloggers are blogging or podcasting, tweeting, whatever, from their parents' basement. And in this case, John, is literally true. And I just wanted to extend a (laughs) shout out to Sister Solness. Hey, man, that's awesome. Congrats to her. Yeah, thanks. Yep, absolutely. And we're we're very excited, and um, that's that's happening on uh, Saturday morning. So uh, the whole clan got got together, and we're gonna we're gonna do the thing right. But um, you know, everybody, you know, in my family, of course, we're looking forward to the wedding on Saturday. But really, what we're looking forward to is the Eagles game against the Buccaneers on Sunday. And we're gonna get into all that here coming up in just a few minutes. Um, first, want to remind you, of course, uh, to subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We are, of course, powered uh, by SB Nation and BleedingGreenNation.com. So if you haven't done that yet, please make sure to do so and uh, do the same thing for our other Philadelphia SB Nation friends, the Good Fight, Liberty Ballers and Broad Street Hockey. So um, here we go, Brandon, in Tampa, going to play the Buccaneers here in week two. Um, 
Coming off a of week one in which, you know, it got exciting there at the end, but the game was pretty ugly. 18-12 uh, to 12 win over the Falcons in week one. The Buccaneers, meanwhile, really impressive in a week one at performance, especially offensively, uh, beating the Saints uh, in New Orleans 48-40. to 40. Uh, Looking at the injury report, it looks like the Eagles are going to be without three key offensive starters in this one, Brandon. Uh, we already know Carson Wentz is going to be out. No big surprise there. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey returned to practice this week, but he's out two for this week. A little surprising, I guess, is Darren Sproles has been ruled out for this week as well. What's going on with Darren? Yeah, it's interesting because Sproles was, you know, we all thought he'd be fine going into this week. There was no indication that he had gotten hurt in week one, but apparently he had suffered a quote-unquote slight hamstring during practice this week on Wednesday. That's what Doug Peterson had to say. Uh, It's kind of, it's interesting because I think some people are looking at this and they're like, this is actually good news because Darren Sproles was being force-fed the ball too much early on in the Falcons game (laughs) and the Eagles offense wasn't looking super effective when he was out there and we'd rather see Jay Ajayi in there or Corey Clement. So maybe from that sense... Uh, there is some benefit there, but I think that's hard to say because this is still Darren Sproles we're talking about. This is still a guy who late in that Falcons game when the Eagles needed a a tough first down to get. Yeah, yeah. Who did they throw to short of the sticks? Foles threw it to Sproles, who was wide open, and you know he made some guys miss. That's what Darren Sproles can do. You can you can throw to him short of the sticks, and he can make some guys miss and get a tough first down. That is what makes Darren Sproles special. In addition, he's just still a really good punt returner. Like even if he's not maybe where he was as an offensive player, uh, I still think he's really good back there on punt return. So him being out isn't insignificant. And you look at how this Bucks defense really got torched by Alvin Kamara last week. I mean, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have a guy who kind of fits that role and having him again with Corey Clement here? I mean, I think we all saw him. Obviously, we did see him produce in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and throughout the season last year. So I'm not devastated by any means, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it helps the Eagles. I wouldn't say that. No, it's not a good thing to remove a really good player from the roster. I mean, that just that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, does it give more opportunities maybe for Clement and Ajayi to get going early? Maybe. But, you know, I think the reason they they played Sproles a lot more early was because they had mentioned they were a little bit leery of using Ajayi early in the game too much. I and mean, they were a little bit uh, folk, you know, concerned about, um, you know, his his uh, his knee going into the game. And, you know, so they, they started him off slow and then ramped him up in the second half. But if, if those were the concerns they had about Ajayi, that to me seems more of a reason like they were, if it seemed like they were force feeding Sproles, that probably was more the reason than anything else. Yeah, I wouldn't like I, I just think uh yeah, I think that was too much to be honest. A little, it was a little too much sprawls early on. Sure. Uh, we hadn't seen Ajay didn't get a carry in that game, I think, till around like thirteen minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah. Like that was yeah, a little yeah. weird. I know mm-hmm. the you know, the injury concern and all that, but still like that was like, wait, what? Like all off season, <laughs> all you like Doug and Deuce and everyone is preaching like Jay Ajay is gonna be the lead guy, and then we don't see him until the second quarter. Like that's just bizarre, a little bizarre. Um mm-hmm. so I do think but that doesn't. Be but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean Darren Sproles being out is good news, though. You know I agree. I mean? that's, yes. that's crazy. Like you said, that that doesn't. And, make and any what if sense. there's what if Corey gets hurt? You know what I mean? Like you want to still want to have right. that depth there, and all of a right. sudden now Wendell Smallwood is your second best running back, and you don't want that. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's not great, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do. I almost feel bad for Darren Sproles in the sense that like. 
I feel like these people who are kind of being the truthers with him, mm-hmm. I feel like they're they're going to be set up to be right because this Bucks defense is just bad. So yeah. watch Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi have really good games, and everyone will be like, see, we're better without Sproles. And it's like, well, I mean, that's not the whole truth of it. <laughs> right. No, and, you know, how, how does this affect special teams as well? Because, you know, Sproles plays an important role on special teams too. Does, does Clement get – get some of the return duties that that Sproles won't be getting how are they going to divvy that out yeah it's it's you know it's really between uh Corey and DeAndre Carter I mean in the preseason when Sproles wasn't playing in the in the first preseason game against the Steelers it was Corey who got that first punt return which I thought was interesting because you don't really I don't just think I don't think of him as a, a punt returner as much he's not that, yeah. You know what I mean? He's not like that. When you think of a punt returner, you think of Deshaun Jackson. You think of a guy who's a little more like thinner and shifty. Sproles is a little different. He's he's thick, but he's so small and jittery. Um, so maybe it is Carter because he looked good at times doing it during the preseason. And mm-hmm. the Eagles played him a ton on offense, so I don't think they're right. shy of playing him. But uh, maybe they try to split those guys and see – uh, how it works between both of them. And then it's interesting, too, because Shelton Gibson is questionable. He was a full participant on Friday, which seems like a good sign, but he didn't yeah. practice at all on Thursday, and then he was limited on Wednesday. So that's kind of like a weird pattern there. Uh, but if he's out, then you're missing your starting kick returner and your starting punt returner. So like a, a little thing to file away for this week. Yeah, and and Clement is your is your second running back. You don't necessarily want to run the risk of getting him hurt on a special teams play, right. you know, too. So that's like a lot of factors there to consider. But you know, somebody's got to go back and return punts and kicks. And so I think uh, DeAndre Carter makes a lot more sense than Clement does for you know a couple of different reasons that you mentioned. So uh, Wentz and uh, Jeffrey both obviously not playing this week, but you know, good seeing them in practice this week. I saw some video online of Wentz, you know, working out with Jeffrey, making the connection over and over. Again, you know, we saw it a lot last year and, um, you know, it seems like both guys are moving pretty well. Uh, Wentz is, from all accounts, you know, out again, but um, starting to think that uh, maybe there's some momentum about getting him back here for week three. Um, The way Jeffrey looks in practice feels kind of like week three for him, too. Do you think we're looking at a week three return for both of those guys? I think with Carson, the signs keep pointing to it, right? I mean, we saw Chris Mortensen say over the weekend that people in the inside the Eagles building, because of the GPS tracking and all of that, uh, they feel like they wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz was ready for week three. And then uh, on Tuesday, I believe it was, or Wednesday, I think it was, uh, Chris Mortensen tweets out, uh, Nick Foles, one more start. <laughs> so I, yeah, I you guess, wonder if that was like a was that a slip of the tongue or? Uh, yeah, I mean, know? like I was like, okay, um, yeah. all right. So I, I and then even Howard Eskin had kind of said something. He wasn't reporting it as much as he was kind of just throwing his opinion out there. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Howard's plugged in. He's literally on the Eagles sideline for game. So he, you know, he yeah. knows people yeah. and he's he's he has sources in there. So it does seem like there's some momentum there building for a Carson Wentz return in week three, which would be great to see, hopefully. And that's what Peter King had said all along, too, even going back to August. He was saying yeah, he was on it. He was and he, he presented it in a very, uh, you know, opinion. It was a, he opined it, basically. But still, yeah. I mean, uh, you could also figure that he had heard something. So I would be great. I mean, that would be great to see. I would be happy with that. I think with Alshon, I still think we're a week away. I think you know he was limited in practice this week, only doing individual stuff. He's not back in eleven on eleven. He's not cleared for that. After the after the Falcons game, I think it was Jenny Ventrance who had went up to him and talked to him and asked if or something asked about his return in some form. And Alshon had kind of nodded, and the implication there was that 
Uh, he was still weeks away. So uh, we had originally heard that Alshon would be at, out for at least the first two games. But I don't know. It seems like it could be a little bit more to me just because, uh, you know, he's still limited. I mean, if we see him full practice on Wednesday next week, then I'm going to change my mind on that. But until right. then, I just think he's a little bit far off. I, and it's it's tough now because look at what they have at receiver with yeah, Alshon well, not playing. That was going to lead into my next question here because I think I know the answer to this question, especially if, if Nick Foles doesn't play well on Sunday against Tampa. And I think no, I think Foles is going to bounce back and have a pretty good game against a, a defense that that's not terribly good. But you you know, if, if Foles, you know, has, has a game like, a, like I think he's going to have, and we know the lack of depth at wide receiver right now for the Eagles, you know, they brought back Kamar Aiken this week, but they're, they're really struggling uh. with, with Mac. I know with, with, with Mac Hollins not being available as well, who would be more important to get back first right now? Oh, it, you man. know, would it be Carson Wentz in week three or Alshon Jeffrey? You can make an <laughs> argument. I think, this team might need Alshon Jeffrey more than they need Carson Wentz, at least right now, given the depth at both both positions. I'm going to say Carson, John. But yeah, to- I, I know. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> of course I am. It's always Carson. <laughs> but to your point, I mean, it's it, I get I get where the question's coming from, right? Because they there's no Alshon. Matt Collins is on IR. Shelton Gibson might not even play. He's questionable. That gives you four healthy receivers for Sunday. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar, who ideally should be playing in the slot in an ideal world, uh, but now he's going to have to play on the outside because you want to be able to get DeAndre Carter in there because you, the Eagles want to run the wide receiver sets. And then so you have Aguilar and then Carter in the slot and then Mike Wallace on the outside. And then Kamar Aiken, 29 year old Kamar Aiken, who is just did not look good at all when I watched nope. him in training camp. He was held without a single catch in the preseason. I just don't really know why the Eagles need him so badly. I mean, look, if you want him to play special teams, fine. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about that. But really, a little quick thing I need to touch on there, too. It's so weird to me. It's not the end of the world, but it is so weird that they kept Marcus Wheaton on the week one roster, which guaranteed his season or guaranteed his salary for the whole season um, because he's a vested veteran. And he only played three offensive snaps in week one. Like you needed to guarantee his whole salary because so he could play three snaps. So so that's weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they have Aiken back. So, and now you have only four receivers. So that's another thing. Again, if Gibson doesn't play, you only have four receivers. So that's a uh, another kind of concern there. You, John, you had mentioned, hey, you don't maybe you don't want Corey Clement out there because uh, you don't want to risk him getting hurt. Well, I mean, now if you have Carter yeah. back there for punts, true. Then, yeah. So it's they're it, they are really thin at both of those spots, and it'd be nice to uh, get some reinforcements there soon. Looking at the other side of the ball, the Buccaneers have some injury issues of their own. Um, we'll get to on the defensive side for just a second, but the big one I think right now is uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, whether or not he's going to play. And you know, it always if it always seems like Deshaun Jackson is hurting the Eagles when he's playing, you're not wrong. Uh, in most in most of the performance, he's had uh, five career games against the Eagles. In three of them, he's gone for over a hundred yards and uh, has scored uh, two touchdowns against the Eagles in those five games. He went uh, in 2014 went five for 
117 with a with a touchdown and then four for 126 in the second game. Uh, went four for 40 in 2015. He only played one of those games against the Eagles that year. He was injured for the other. And then in 2016, four for 55 and then three for 102 with a touchdown. Didn't get in a game. The Eagles didn't play the Buccaneers last year when Deshaun was there. Uh, Deshaun always seems to be a thorn in the side uh, again whenever he plays the Eagles. And he had a big week in week one as well, but he's questionable with concussion issues and a shoulder issue. He's questionable for the game, but he did practice this week. Do you think he's playing? I think Deshaun is playing. I think he really wants to play in this game. And now the ca- the caveat there is that he's in the concussion protocol, as far as we still know. And if he doesn't get cleared, he can't play. Like, that's not up to him. You know, that's. But just, would he be practicing if he wasn't cleared? I mean, would he be? T- yeah, is he in you full can practice? actually still. Okay. Yeah, which is is weird, right? Uh, but. Yeah. Uh, but I think the fact that he was full today is probably, you know, a good sign that he's going to be cleared by, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday at 1 p.m. So uh, I think he's going to be playing, which is a big concern because, <laughs> yeah. as you said, Deshaun is a real he's just real tough to stop, man. He's going to get open deep. He's going to have those big plays and especially against the Eagles because he is a guy who's inconsistent, as we know, but. He, he's going to save his best game. Like, he's going to be up for this game. He's yeah, not, he gets up for Eagles games. Exactly. Absolutely. This isn't going to be like, you know, they're playing the Titans and like, he kind of just doesn't even care. He's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah, I can probably roast these guys, but like, what? I don't care, whatever. So uh, it's tough in that regard. I do, again, expect, unless he's not cleared, I, I do expect him to play. Maybe the shoulder issue kind of comes up if he gets tackled in a certain way and maybe he, he has to leave the game early if that kind of, uh, happens in there, but, but I think he will be playing. And and look, I'm going to be interested to see how that matchup works, especially if Ronald Darby is going to be up against him because Darby has that speed to run with Deshaun Jackson. So I think that could be a fun battle in that regard. But I also think it could be very, very concerning for this Eagles defense and a defense that played very well in week one. But Man, like Deshaun is a different kind of, you know, animal. I know Julio Jones is definitely a better receiver than Deshaun Jackson, but, you know, Deshaun's mm-hmm. speed is just kind of, you can't stop it, basically. Now, are we sure Darby is going to go up against Jackson? Uh, I had been seeing in some other places that uh, Darby might get Mike Evans for this game, who was also a monster uh, on the other side of the field. And I had nightmares of Deshaun Jackson double moving Jalen Mills yeah. a couple of times, and that—that's <laughs> the thing that I mean. I'm—I yeah. I can I see that happen. I can easily see that happening a couple times in this game. Yeah, I don't want to be because <laughs> we, we know that's going to happen. We know Jalen's yeah. going to bite. It's just yeah, I would I would hope they get Darby on Deshaun because Darby has that speed. He Darby is mm-hmm. fast, man. He has that. Mm-hmm. Four, three, uh, maybe high, four point two speed. So uh, I think I hope I hope we see that. I hope that's yeah. how they do it up. And uh, also, uh, the uh, secondary for Tampa is pretty banged up as well, which uh, could could lead to some good things for the for the Eagles' uh, passing game, even with a, a weekend wide receiver core. So hey, we were just talking about wide receiver issues for the Eagles and injuries being a big factor. Might be the uh, one not to not that there's ever a great week for that. Of course, you, you don't want that to happen. But if there could be a maybe one of the, the least worst possible weeks for that to happen, it would be when the other team is missing both of their starting cornerbacks. Uh, Brent Grimes out for this game. Vernon Hargraves placed on injured reserve this week, so they're going to be starting a rookie corner. And the other guy is a third-year player who's had his fair share of ups and downs and probably shouldn't be a full-time starter. So the Eagles will hopefully get some good matchups there. I mean, look, for as everyone, for, for everyone who wants to say, you know, that the Bucks had a really impressive week win, week one win, I should say, 
Sure, they did, but they also gave up 40 points. Like, this right, isn't nobody's like, talking about that, right. They're, they're not like some infallible team all of a sudden. Uh, that's, a, that's a big problem. They have defensive issues, and especially when they're missing both of their starting corners. So, And then again, mm. their defensive line is banged up too. You have JPP, who didn't even record a single stat in week one. Like He was not on the oh, stat man. sheet at all. And uh, I, I was listening to the Kist and uh, Trevor Sikama show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as yeah. Michael Good job this week. It. Yeah. Yes. And he's, he said in part that was because, you know, Drew Brees is getting the ball out quick. But still, I mean, uh, another thing there is that JPP is dealing with a knee issue and he's questionable. And it sounds like he'll play, but it sounds like he also won't be 100 uh, percent. So and then Vita, Vita Vea, the Bucks first round pick this year who doesn't start at defensive tackle, but, you know, could give them depth there, and especially on a really hot day to have that rotation in there. So their their defensive line, the point of all that was that their defensive line might not be at 100%, and then you don't have your starting corners, so that's an issue. So I, I definitely think um, the Eagles are going to be able to attack the secondary, and that's part of why I feel like Nick Foles is due for this bounce back this week. Yeah, well, and we see this from Nick Foles. We know he's inconsistent. We know that you get him up and you know with the you know game with the right game plan, and you get him enough games under his belt, enough reps under his belt, he 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 starts to improve. And I agree. I think I think Nick Foles bounces back. I think he has a very solid game. He may not throw three hundred yards on the Buccaneers, but he might. And you know, I'd say I certainly think it's going to be a much better showing than we saw in Week One against the Falcons. And I also think I also think Fitzpatrick is is not going to do what anywhere close to what he did in the first week <laughs> of the season. Fitzpatrick had the best game of his career last year, the reigning NFC Offensive Player of the Week, 417 yards, 75% completion percentage. I mean, here's the thing, and I think it's it's really interesting, these two, these two guys going up, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nick Foles, so similar. These two guys really are similar as backup quarterbacks. The, probably, maybe, maybe two of the, the three or four best backup quarterbacks in football because with these guys, you, you do see them able to carry a team for a little while. We saw Foles do it in 2013 when he had that 27 touchdown, two interception, 119.2 rating season. We saw it from Fitzpatrick in 2015 when he threw for 3,900 yards, 31 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. You know, that we, we saw it last week with Fitzpatrick. We saw it in the, in the playoffs with Nick Foles. These guys have, a, have, the, have the ability to get hot. They also have the ability to stink the place up. And I just don't see I don't see Ryan Fitzpatrick coming anywhere close to the production he had, especially if the Eagles defense plays like it did on last Thursday night against the Falcons, because they were running around like crazy. John, how dare you compare Ryan Fitzpatrick (laughs) to the Eagles Super Bowl MVP? I I bet you a lot of people are saying that. I'm asking for it. I'm um, just asking for it. I know. I, I don't think you're off base. Obviously, I think that's there's a lot of truth to that. I think the thing is that Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nick Foles are clearly both good enough to start in the NFL. At the same time, I don't think they're good enough to, you know, for teams to commit to them as long term starters like they, they belong and they can play and they can start. But you don't want, if in a perfect world, you do not want them starting for the most part. So, right. Right. Uh, but this is the situation the Bucks find themselves in, and I think he is certainly one of the better backups to have. I mean, that, that game was bonkers last week against the Saints. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I, I looked up some of the numbers for Ryan Fitzpatrick against Jim Schwartz defenses specifically, because I thought that maybe there's something there to that. Uh, obviously, this has been spread out. One of these years was when Schwartz was with the Bills. Another one was with – he was defensive coordinator for the Titans. So, you know, different times, different teams, a lot of – 
factors going on here. But still, I found that Fitzpatrick had completed 60% of his passes for two touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, 414 yards at a, a four or 6.8 yards per attempt, and overall a 71.4 passer rating. So that's to say that I think Jim Schwartz has done a good job of containing him in the past, which is a good mm-hmm. sign. I think in this specific matchup, more relevant, is that it's going to be another week where the trenches come into play. We saw yeah. Fletcher yeah. Cox and Michael Bennett and even Jordan Hicks on the blitz and Brandon Graham and everyone basically like they got pressure on Matt Ryan last week. That was not a problem. Mm-hmm. And Fletcher Cox is especially from that group and Chris Long, I should mention as well. Um, so I think that's going to be key again. I mean, that's very boring to say and very straightforward and, and doesn't take a rocket scientist by any <laughs> means. Um, speaking of rocket scientist, Matt Patricia is not off to a good start in Detroit. No, but he's not. a different story. Um, <laughs> uh, I just had to get that cheap shot in there. So I, I do think this is another week where the the defensive line comes into play. And if they can get you know, Fitzpatrick off his spot and out of his rhythm, and, and Fitzpatrick's a guy who has some mobility. So he's going to be able to – he can run around and I mean, it's not going to be Michael Vick out there, but he might be able to kind of dodge some of this pressure. But if you can rattle him enough and kind of get him carrying the ball and holding on to it instead of chucking it deep, that's a win for the Eagles. That's that's neutralizing Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. Right. And the Eagles corners like to play off anyway, because it, that defensive front does get some pressure. And, and we've seen how good Darby has looked so far here in the preseason and in the first regular season game. And, you know, they, they've got some they've got some decent play, gotten some decent play out of the rest of the cornerbacks. Russell Douglas with a nice interception uh, in in week one as well. So, I mean, it's this is this is a tougher matchup for 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 Tampa. And Tampa's never been known as an offensive team. You know what I mean? Like this is not you know, I, I know that they have some weapons out there and Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson are scary but uh, you know they also don't have a lot going on at the running back position Peyton Barber is okay but I don't think anybody's worried about Peyton Barber putting up a 1500 yard season so you you wonder how much the, the the Eagles can just kind of you know let the you know let the front seven take care of the run game and let the let the safeties play back and let Malcolm help out in pass coverage a little bit too in this game yeah, I mean, that was their formula last year. Just basically shut down the run, force the offense into becoming a one-dimensional unit where they have to just pass all game. And then the Eagles pass rushers can just tee off on the quarterback. <laughs> that's that's right, what they right. did last. And this, again, speaking of trenches, flipping it around, this Buccaneers offensive line isn't great. Like, there's no, <laughs> it's not like a bunch of pro bowlers. You know, like, this is not a unit that should be able to stifle this Eagles pass rush. I mean, uh, I think, you know, the Falcons... You could say the Falcons have a better offensive line than the, the Bucks do, and, and the Eagles made light work of them ultimately in being able to get to Matt Ryan. So really, I'm not really concerned um, too much about that. I think that just the biggest concern overall, if I had to, to put it into uh, words, is that you, know, you have this new offensive play caller in here with Todd Munkin, who clearly did mm-hmm. a good job against the Saints last week. So there's some new ideas here. It seems like some fresh ideas, uh, but... How sustainable is it? That's the thing. I, I think, you know, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson and you even look at O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. I mean, there's and Chris Godwin. There's a lot of good yeah, receiving options mm-hmm. here. But I think, you know, being able to pressure Fitzpatrick and then Fitzpatrick kind of just naturally being due for some regression makes me less worried about that. But it's just the big play threat overall is is still what does present a concern for me. 
Well, and we know this is a week-to-week league, BLG. I mean, very, you know, the, there is some momentum in football, but, you know, a lot of times it, it is just week-to-week. We saw it with the Ravens on Thursday night against the Bengals. You know, the yeah. Ravens came out and just blew the doors off the Bills in, in the first week of the season and then couldn't do anything against Cincinnati. So I mean, how bad just, are the Bills then? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really the Bills bad. are bad. <laughs> we'll, see what, we'll see how they look with Josh Allen at quarterback. But, mm. you know, I mean, you, when you got Nathan Peterman out there, you're basically waving the white flag before you even kick the thing off. But yeah, the bills are pretty awful. I mean, it's just um, name me five bills. Hurry, you know. I mean, you can't. It's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, Josh Allen. Uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm. I I struck performer. out. AJ McCarron is he even on? Did the didn't they trade? I don't even know. Anyway. Yeah, who cares? I mean, it's yeah. just it's <laughs> it's one of those things where you know Tampa can look really, really great in week one, uh, and and not necessarily be able to do anything in week two. But Munkin, as you mentioned, as I was listening to the the Kiss the Kist and Sikama show the other day when he did talk to the um uh to the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers uh, writer, uh, you know, it's that kind of stuff made me feel a little bit nervous because you heard about all you know the success that he had in college turning offenses around and uh, and and some of the success that he's had at the at the at the NFL level too um in, in various different different positions and you know he he takes over week one and it's such a dramatic change we've seen with Doug Peterson what having a good play caller what having a good schemer can do even if you've got just a, a fair amount of offense you know and so that coaches matter in the NFL. You know, you can take, you can have a coach who can take the same players and get an extra three or four or five wins out of them, maybe even more sometimes and, and really turn things around. So that, that got me a little bit nervous. I, I won't, I won't lie to you. Yeah. I think that's, look, I, like, I think Kiss said he projected this game to be around like 27, 10 in favor of the Eagles. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I think it could be a one possession game. I think closer to eight points than three in this case, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that this Bucks team, just again, with those weapons and with this new play caller, they have enough to to put some points on the board and those big plays. Um, that's definitely a fair concern. I think going into this week, I'm not going to just assume that this Eagles team who, to their credit, played very well in week one. And now you're getting even better in theory because you're getting Nigel Braddon back. And, you know, DeAndre Hall is a nice little boost for the safety depth, I imagine. So it's like it's I don't really expect them to get much worse. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, you know, I just think it, it could be a tough test. We'll see. You're on the road. You know, you just you never know. Let's say Fitzpatrick has another good game. Maybe he doesn't go off for 400 yards, but let's say he has a 300-yard game. Let's say it's a close game. Either they win or they they come close. They play the Eagles tough. They have a good they have a good day on offense. And let's say Fitzpatrick has a a decent you know a decent week three. When is Jameis Winston scheduled to come back? Is he he's out the first three weeks? Yes, correct. Okay, so let's say Fitzpatrick has another two good weeks, and let's say one of them is really good. Where let's just say it's you know he's he's looking really really good. Does Jameis Winston get his job back he when he comes back and he's ready for week four? <laughs> he shouldn't. To me, I, I, like, why are you even starting Jameis Winston in the first place? To me, like he's just he's not good. Like I, I just I've never really been a big Jameis guy. You're not a believer in the talent. It's not it's not an attitude. It's a talent thing it's for you. Both for me. I mean, it's just it's like a no brainer that he is just not your franchise quarterback. Just off the field, mm. and then just what we've seen from the inconsistent. I just I, I'm just I'm not about it. I just feel like. Uh, you know, look, I'm sure Fitzpatrick is not going to be the long term answer for them, obviously. But I mean, if he's if he's the hot hand, you know, stick with him until he sucks. Then you can put Jameis back in there and pretend like that's going to get you anywhere and salvage anything. But for now, yeah, uh, yeah. I, if I was them, I would just keep writing Fitzpatrick. 
See, I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, Fitzpatrick is, what, 37? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I understand Deshaun Jackson's not getting any younger. Mike Evans not getting any younger. You know, you've got some guys on this Tampa team. You know, they've got some young guys, but they've also got some veterans that I guess if you if you have an opportunity to make the playoffs, you, you take that opportunity. And if, if the best chance of doing that is with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I can understand that. And But, you know, at the same time, you know, I the t- I think there's a lot of talent there with Jameis Winston. Now, whether his attitude, whether his maturity level will ever allow him to access that talent, and whether it will ever allow his teammates to get on board with him as being the leader of that team, that's that's certainly a, a fair question. But you know, I, I guess with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I I don't know. I yeah, if he's if he's lighting the world on fire, if he if he's thrown for you know 300 yards the next two games, and the Buccaneers are still still doing well on offense, I guess I guess you have to keep him in, but. You know, I I'm not I'm not gi- I'm not ready to give up on the talent of Jameis Winston just yet. I'm a little higher on him than you are, I think. But you know, I you know more about this than I do. So it's, I I, t- I hear what you're saying about about Winston because you know the the off the field stuff does factor into the on field stuff. It absolutely does. A hundred percent. I just and that's 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 a really big part of it. Obviously for me, it's just just it's not even just. The, the horrible things he's been accused of. Um, it is just the yeah. demeanor and the, the E to W. Like, it's just so, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. obviously like, no, like this is not, this is not a guy who is like a Super Bowl, you know, winning face of the franchise. Like, in, no, it's like, just compare it to like, contrast it to Carson Wentz. And I'm not saying every quarterback oh, yeah. has to be Carson Wentz, but they're not even in the same ballpark. Like, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm not about it. I, I'm not, not about Jameis Winston. Well, he's been in the league a couple years now, and there's obviously a lot of other young quarterbacks that have passed him, you know, on, on, you know, so I I totally get it. It's, you know, Tampa's got to figure out what they're going to do with him probably this year. And it's that way they can move on because Fitzpatrick isn't going to play forever, even though it looks like he will (laughs) at 37 years old playing this well. Um well, I mean, as far as as far as this Eagles Buccaneers game goes, I mean, they're playing down in Tampa. Uh, it's it's going to be hot, you know. I think I, I saw earlier this week. It's going to feel like it's over a hundred degrees in this game. Um, are they going to break out pickle juice? I mean, is that just an Andy Reid thing? <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do in order to kind of keep the players from from seizing up. You know, Tampa the, the Tampa players are used to playing in these kind of conditions. I'm I'm a little bit concerned about how the Eagles are going to fare in a really hot environment, a really hot and humid environment, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to, you know, maintain the ability to be up for the entire game, not cramp up and all that stuff. Whereas Tampa is used to being in, in, in that environment. Any concerns about the weather? If it's, if it's really, really hot and humid? I don't think so. I think uh, the Eagles played a pretty humid game week one. Obviously I think the rain had helped, break mm-hmm. that a little bit uh you know obviously it had come through real hard before they played the falcons but still it was not you know it was hardly great weather out there it was it was humid uh i think overall too because they have depth like this is when we talk about roster depth i think this is one of the good times where that comes into play and <laughs> one of the times where yeah jim schwartz likes to rotate his pass rushers and that's valuable and we saw that against the Falcons when late in the game, you're still like Fletcher Cox still looked fresh and, and everyone still looked really good. No one looked tired in that game because they have this rotation. So I think they have enough depth for the most part to sustain uh, that and over. And there's look, their sports science staff is arguably one of the best in the league. Like when you look at um, how injuries have been treated, I think overall, you know, this is no Sixers situation here. So I think they've been. Um, yeah. They, they have the track record and I, I'm not, I don't, to me, it's not a big issue. Um, 
there's no Donovan McNabb throwing up on the field hopefully here this week but we'll see it could be it could be really hot i know, I know michael kiss might be drinking a little too much uh imbibing <laughs> and, and being throwing up so yeah. i don't know about him but i think the team yeah. will be okay yeah i heard him talking uh in the off topic tuesday uh that he did um oh my you gosh. know it, talking about four like you know he was asking you know how do you get you know how do you go about getting drunk before at a football game if you want to you need something you drink four vodka and Red Bulls? I mean, listen, I'm not a big drinker, but even if I was, not only does that sound like a horrible drink, I can't Im- I mean, I can't imagine the feeling of being drunk and yet at the same time super hyper. Like, wh- wh- how is that good in any way? That is Michael Kiss, baby. Uh, that is the, uh, the Kiss lifestyle. He is. He's look. He goes. Uh, he's all in. You know, there's, there's yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, you know, there's, there's no half half measures here. It's just all in. I love that. I thought that was hysterical. And the thought of drinking those drinks was enough to make my stomach turn. Um, <laughs> well, one other note before we move on to uh, a little piece of uh, NFL news involving a former Eagle in our picks for this week. I didn't realize this, that um, before he signed with the uh, with the Eagles back in March of 2017, apparently Nick Foles was, was choosing between Tampa or Philadelphia. So... It's kind of it's kind of interesting thinking about the road less traveled. You know, the Eagles could be facing Nick yeah. Foles this week if he had decided to go the other way. Obviously, you know, great fortune for 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 him as far as winning the Super Bowl last year. But you know, also if if he was in Tampa right now, he probably doesn't win the Super Bowl, and maybe he isn't in the league. You know, I mean, he 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 might you know not having that success with the Eagles, he might not be playing right now, or he could be in the position that Ryan Fitzpatrick is in and possibly being the starter all year, given the craziness going on with Jameis Winston. It's just kind of interesting to, to think about what, what could have been on, along a different timeline. It's like a Star Trek episode. You take a, a different, you know, there's an explosion, you take a different mm-hmm. timeline. Now all of a sudden you're in an alternate 2018, 2019. That's what makes the Super Bowl like, so like you have to savor it and you have to realize how, yeah. how special that moment is and like because Nick Foles not only could he have signed with the Bucks, I mean he, he was thinking about not even playing football at all like so right this could have easily so not have happened like it, it, you're, everything is so like it's like hanging on by a thread like you know all these things line up and I'm not saying I'm not trying to say the Eagles lucked into it like they deserve to win but I'm just saying any team that wins a championship basically generally unless you're the Warriors and you just become this, you know, or the, you know, like you become this obvious right. dynasty who is just dominating. Like it's, it's really hard to win a championship and you just have to have a lot of little things go right. And that is thankfully one of the things that went right for the Eagles. Well, let's, uh, we're going to come back and uh, give our picks on this uh, Eagles Buccaneers game here in a few minutes. But first I um, uh, want to just mention our good friend, Michael Kendricks is no longer unemployed uh, BLG. Of course, uh, Kendricks was, um, arrested and has admitted to insider trading. Uh, when this eventually comes down, Kendricks could face some some time in prison. In the meantime, he has signed with the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> this week. I didn't think he was going to latch on with another team, BLG, but I mean, I guess if it was going to be any other team, sure, the Seahawks. That is so bizarre, man. Like, I know people are saying, oh, it's only a white-collar crime. It's not like he killed someone, but like, it's still a major deal. Like, yeah, it's, a big just, deal. it's a big crime. You can't justify it like that. And the Seahawks signing him like endorses that. You know what? Like to a certain extent, right? Like, I know they're they're not saying I, they're not literally saying it, insider trading is okay, but they're certainly not saying it's a deal breaker because they're like no. they're signing him. And look. 
look, I get they're desperate and everything, but man, they're really desperate because yeah. to sign this guy. And the, the weird thing to me is that he, this Michael Kendricks has his sentence, his sentencing in December. So he's clearly not here for the playoffs. Like, like he's not, this isn't some kind of long-term answer for them by any means. And the NFL is able to punish him at any time because of their yeah. personal conduct policy. And it's not even like he's going to be able to appeal because he pleaded guilty to insider trading. So like, <laughs> right. so how's he going to appeal that? So if they, and Ian Rappaport said they, that's something they are looking into. And if you look under the, the personal conduct policy, it does include fraud in there as something that, you know, the NFL can punish a player for under that. So I think they could kind of, the NFL might just come out here and be like, Hey, uh, I don't know what they'll give them. Maybe it's like four games or maybe they just ban them entirely. I don't know, but it's, it's weird. And for, uh, like, wouldn't that make it even weirder? Like the Seahawks signed this guy because they're so desperate. And the NFL is actually like, Hey, he can't play. Well, now that makes the Seahawks <laughs> look like total chumps because like they, they sold out to sign this guy who like, isn't even going to be able to play. It's just weird to me. It's bizarre. Well, I, I think that whole organization is just in a weird place right yeah. now. I, did you read that article about um, about uh, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and the conflict that went yeah, on with them and, and, and Sherman yeah. and all that stuff? It was. It's not. I, it, if any, if all that stuff is true, and I forget, I forget where I saw. It. I think that was a Sports Illustrated column, but I'm I'm not 100 percent on that, so don't hold me to that. But. Um, Definitely, Seattle has uh, it's it's gone from this uh, this organization that was certainly one at the pinnacle of the NFL for a couple of years there to a cautionary a, tale. Yeah, <laughs> it's a massively dysfunctional system, and just goes to show you, if you don't have good leadership at the top with your head coach, it can it can go awry pretty quickly. So uh, I don't think the Eagles will have that to worry about with Doug Peterson. I, I think uh, I think Peterson has a uh, a, a pretty good hold on, uh, on on keeping players accountable, maintaining the same rules for everybody, and 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 all that kind of stuff moving forward. But uh, yeah, Michael Kendrick's going to to going to Seattle. Uh, like I th- like I said, if he's going to go to any team, that it kind of makes sense given Seattle's needs and you know some of the issues that they have uh, there in the front office and with the head coach. Um, all right, let's move on and, and give our picks. Uh, we're going to do uh, the two games involving NFC East teams as well as one other game. Um, you know, I think we hit the nail on the head pretty much last week. BLG, we got each of the three games correct. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, don't look it up. And yes, so, we did. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I remember. I was keeping an eye. I remember what we called. I'm pretty sure that we went three and zero last week. Each of us sounds good. Um, so let's take a look at the first game. Um, I think uh, one of the games you had mentioned was the Patriots game. Uh, they're a one-point favorite at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, what's your take on on the Patriots being a one-point favorite down in Jacksonville? I mean, I watched the you know the Giants and the Jaguars play in Week One, and boy, are the Jaguars just not good. I mean, obviously that defense is not bad. I mean, they can do some good things, but just. It doesn't matter. Like it all comes down to Blake Bortles for me, and it's just he's so bad. And he even had some okay yeah. moments in that game. He's not, he's not like unstartable bad, but he just so clearly limits the ceiling of that team. Like he's just comes to points where you just need him to make ro- routine throws, and he just can't do it. It's just it's painful to watch. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been not practicing this whole week naturally uh, on my fantasy team, and just totally just you know leaving me out to dry here. So I just, <laughs> man, I, I think the Patriots are going to win again, just like they did in the AFC championship game here. I don't think this is Jacksonville's revenge game. I think the Patriots win this. No, I agree 100% for the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, no need to go into it a whole lot further than that. Blake, it's, it's Blake Bortles against Tom Brady. I just, I don't see Tom Brady 
losing even in Jacksonville. Um, and it was a one-point favorite. If you think if you think the Patriots are more likely to win this game, it's an easy call. You take New England on here. And we'll, we'll have to get into our, our, our fantasy teams maybe at some point here at the end of the show, too, um, seeing as how my boys put up 167 <laughs> points uh, last week. Uh, anyway, um, let's move on to the second game. Uh, and we got the Giants at Dallas. Uh, the Giants are uh, three-point underdogs in this one. Uh, this is one of those games, BLG, where... You can't root for either team. You know, I mean, it just both teams are, are equally distasteful. Both of these teams, you know, look equally bad. They they both had horrible uh, first weeks. I think Dallas's opening week was worse than the Giants opening yes. week. J- just because, you know, it's Dallas almost got shut out in that game. I mean, yeah. it, w- it was it was a brutal effort by Dak Prescott and and and, and Zeke. And, you know, I, I don't think you can root for either one of these teams. But who do you have in, in, in this? All one? right. So let's talk through this one, because I think this is important. Like, who do we right. want to win this game, first of all? And then I'll give my pick. Um <laughs> Because, you know, okay. it's early on the season. It's not like this clear determination of like, oh, this team is ahead of the other team. So we'll root for the worst team to. Well, I don't like to look at it as root for the worst team. We we root against the better team is how I always like to phrase it. So, yeah, I yeah. think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think. So what's the ideal? I think the ideal is that the Cowboys look good enough to this season to the point where they don't make changes. Like they, they extend Dak Prescott. They, you know, <laughs> they keep Jason Garrett around. They don't hit the reset button. Cause I think the worst thing that could happen if you're an Eagles fan is the Cowboys bottom out and they draft a new quarterback who's actually good and they fire their head coach and they actually get a good head coach. I think that would be the worst case scenario for the Eagles. So in, in some ways uh, I don't want Dallas to bottom out because I think that could be bad. Again, I don't want them to be so good that they're actually good. I just want them to be good enough where they're not mm-hmm. horrible to the point where they make sweeping changes. So in that sense, I almost want the Giants to win. But And, and also just because I don't mind Dallas being 2-0 or 0-2. But um, I, I think... I, I think with the Giants, I, I almost think they have a higher ceiling than Dallas because I th- because I agree we've with seen that. Eli Manning randomly get hot and go on a run and, and more so the Giants just randomly go on a run. And, and I don't think they're equipped to do that like they used to. The offensive line isn't nearly as good as it used to be. I mean, they have the skilled players, but I don't know. So I'm in, I'm in a tough spot. Um, I, I think I, I for as much as I think the Giants have a higher ceiling than the Cowboys, I also think they have a lower floor. So, but I guess if I'm going, I'm looking at it like that, and I'm thinking which team could potentially be the biggest threat to the Eagles. And I mean, just think about it: we've seen the Giants play better against the Eagles than we have the Cowboys lately. I mean, yeah. they, they for some yeah. reason always give the Eagles troubles lately with uh, their offense against mm-hmm. Jim Schwartz's defense. So, so maybe I am rooting more. Uh, how do I phrase this? I don't want to say for a uh, a Cowboys win, but I'm I'm almost rooting against the Giants, and I think you're rooting against a Giants win. I think is I, how you I would think put so. It, yeah. But look, I'm gonna be happy either way, I, and I don't want to tie. Don't I hate these people who say they want the like other teams to tie? First of all, it's just not gonna happen, obviously, and it's it's a lame thing to root for. So you're gonna like root for one team while they're ahead, and the other, like <laughs> no, and it actually helps both teams more than it hurts them. I was going to so, say no tie. Yeah. I want someone to lose and whoever loses, I'll probably pretty much be fine with it either way. But uh, all of this is a long way to say, I think I will take, uh, I guess I'm going to, mm, 
I guess because I think I have to stick with my Dak sucks brand, and I'm just going to say I'll take the Giants plus three. I'm going to take Dallas in this one. Uh, I think Dallas will play a little better at home uh, this week, you know, and I think, you know, playing in Carolina is is, is a little bit difficult. And so coming home, obviously, uh, against the Giants team, I, I agree with you totally. I, coming home against the Giants team that, that isn't very good. Uh, I think Dallas has has the edge there. And I, I think uh, I don't you know three points is is. You know, if they win by a field goal, okay, it's a push. But you know, I I think that this is a game Dallas Dallas can and probably will win. As far as who to root for in this one, I agree with you totally that the Giant. We saw the Giants last year, as bad as they were, gave the Eagles two really tough games. You know, that game that that week three game that still could have gone the Giants' way if uh, if if uh, Jake Elliott doesn't kick a sixty one yarder at the at the at the mm-hmm. gun. You know, that thing goes to overtime. Who's to say the Giants don't don't win that thing with Eli Manning? You know, making a few connections down the field. So. And we saw in the in the midseason game, the only game the Eagles played against the Cowboys that counted last year, how the Eagles blew their doors off. And I think, I think Dak Prescott doesn't have as many answers for what the Eagles do as Eli Manning does. Uh, so that, yep. so given all that, I can understand rooting for Dallas in this one. But I think I just have a visceral no, rooting against the Giants. Ro- rooting against the Giants to yes. win. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put words into your mouth. That's uh, But I think you know, I have a visceral reaction to rooting. I, to rooting, I'm going to say for myself, to rooting for Dallas to win at home. I know you're rooting mm-hmm. again, you know, rooting for the Giants to win. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, I don't, I just can't take Dallas winning home games. To me, that yeah. just that rubs or me the all, wrong. Honestly. Or at all, but especially <laughs> yeah. at home, in front of that crowd, that obnoxious 100,000 seat stadium. I want to see that place upset and sad and miserable as much as possible. That's probably why I would root for the Giants, but your point is well taken about the fact that the Giants play the Eagles tougher and it might benefit the Eagles more for the Cowboys to win. So I, I, I'm I torn. Definitely, yeah, I definitely think Cowboys fans take that loss harder. If we're talking about who loses that game and which fan base takes it harder, mm-hmm. I think I think if the Giants lose, because uh, the expectations are higher for the Cowboys. They I think. are, I think, right. You know, the Giants, the new regime, and although, you know, they, they've been running it back with Eli, so they know, you know, there's some expectation there. Uh, it's it's just, you know, I don't think they're totally, like, giving up on the season. And I think if the Cowboys lose that game, they're going to be like, oh, my God, fire Jason Garrett. And, you know, like, <laughs> no, they, like they're going to lose their minds. So, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely respect that point. That would be fun. Uh, last game we're going to look at is the Colts, uh, six-point underdogs at the Washington football team in the nation's capital, uh, Washington's uh, first home game of the season. You know, Andrew Luck is back with Indianapolis here, BLG, and I think that makes the Colts a little bit more dangerous, but they're really lacking in a lot of different areas, and I really liked what I saw. I saw the whole Washington game on Sunday, watching Adrian Peterson run. He wasn't as efficient as you might ordinarily ordinarily like your running back to be, but he ran really, really well. I was impressed by how he ran. The, the lines for, for Washington performed really well, and Alex Smith, man, you know, the ceiling isn't as high as some of those big Kirk Cousins games that he would give you but that dude is not going to make mistakes he's not going to make mistakes to hurt his team and he's just gonna you know he's gonna put up 24 points pretty much every game you, you can almost book it 20 to 24 points every game if the defense does their job Washington's gonna win a lot of games and I I think six points is a lot though I think uh so I think Washington probably wins this game but I like I like the Colts to come inside that number, uh, because I do think this is going to be a close battle with Washington. So, uh, I, and I, I think Andrew Luck himself can can keep it relatively close. 
What about you, John? I'm gonna I'm gonna ring the bell on oh, you here. Oh, all right. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take Washington. All I right. think I, I'm gonna give us a, both credit here. You know, a, a very uh, you know a humble thing for me to do, of course. That you know, I think both of us were on that same thinking of look, Washington is this clear yeah. biggest second threat to the Eagles, and it's only one week, and they beat a bad Cardinals team. So okay, we'll see. But I just I think that's legit. I think what we saw last week was not just a mirage. I think this Washington team is going to be pretty solid. Yeah. Again, I don't think they're a true contender just because we've never seen Alex Smith go deep into the postseason and just be that kind of guy who's going to put the team on his back and go up against Aaron Rodgers or whoever in the playoffs right. and, and just beat them. Right. So I, I don't think they're that scary to that point yet, but I, I do think they're definitely a legitimate threat. And for as much as I want to see Frank Reich succeed in Indianapolis, because I think, you know, he, he deserves it. You know, he was a good coach for the Eagles. Uh, you know, the situation there were taking over for McDaniels, who barely lasted there a couple of days. <laughs> um, it, it was tough and, you know, everything he has going on there. So uh, I would like to see the Colts, of course, pull the upset here. But I think it's going to be Washington who who wins comfortably in this game. And, and I think at that point uh, we're going to be eh, it's only the Colts. So I don't think people are going to be like, oh, wow, Washington is for real. But I think, you know, some more momentum is going to be building towards that way. Absolutely. And 2-0 and is 2-0. and It doesn't matter who it's against for sure. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's finish things up here on this episode of BGN Radio by giving our Eagles versus Buccaneers pick here on Sunday. Uh, you've got a Buccaneers team that uh, played terrific offensively against the Saints in Week 1. So, it was really not very good defensively against a very good offensive club. Obviously, the Eagles offense with Nick Foles missing a couple of guys, nowhere near as dynamic as uh, New Orleans is right now. But uh, I think we're going to see a better Nick Foles here this week. I think we're going to see uh, the run game continue to do its thing. It'll be interesting to see if Mike Wallace makes a cameo in this game for the Eagles. Uh, and the Eagles defense is certainly light years better than what New Orleans has to offer. Um, if they if if they can get some push on the lines, we could see um, a much different outcome here for the Buccaneers in this game. I'll ask you to pick first here, BLG. Yeah, I'm with you on a Nick Foles bounce back. I think, you know, he'll we'll see a better game from him. Obviously, he's played well against the Bucks in his two prior starts against them, winning both of them and having seven touchdowns combined, five passing, two rushing. So, uh, you know, it's it's different years. So I'm not saying that means he is going to be successful just because of that. But I just think, you know, with this Buccaneers defense looking as bad as it did last week, and again, they're still going to be missing their starting corners. I do think we do see Mike Wallace get involved in this game because, you know, again, the corner situation there. And apparently uh, there's some stats out there about how Mike Wallace actually ran some of the two of the fastest routes. He like two faster than last year. Some of that, mm. uh, you know, fancy NFL stat data yeah. data they have. Uh, so I don't think, you know, he, he is the issue. I think it's just a matter of full skin the ball to him. And I think it will happen this week. And I, I think we see an Eagles win. I think it's a one possession game still, but just barely. I'm going to say it's an eight point win. Uh, I've come up with a weird score. I don't know if this is one of those <laughs> scores that, uh, like score Gami, which doesn't really even happen a lot. Uh, but I, I'm saying 33, 25. 
Well, I mean, listen, hey, the Eagles are into weird scores lately. You had the Super Bowl 41 to 33, and then you had 18 to 12 last week. So that would just kind of play into it here, BLG. I, I, I see where you're going at here. This is going to be a, a weird score team moving forward here this year. I'm cool with that. Um, I agree with you. I think the Eagles win this game. Um, I picked against the Eagles in the first week of the season because I, I did think that the offense was going to struggle out of the gate, and they did. They they found enough late in the game. They, they the, the running game finally got going late. The offensive line finally started to open some holes. Uh, one of the things that didn't get talked about a lot was Nick Foles audibling out of a play on that last Ajayi touchdown run to send him over the left side away from his protection uh, for that touchdown. I thought that was a, a big call by him and, uh, and, and led to the decisive score. So um, I think Nick Foles does play better this week. And I think it's I think this is a 10-point game. I think it's close most of the game. I think the Eagles had a score late. And I th- I'm going to say something around the uh, something around the 27 to 17 area for okay. this one. So, okay. yeah, I think I think Eagles go to two and zero, and the Bucks fall to one and one. Any final thoughts on uh, Eagles Buccaneers or anything Eagles related, BLG? Before we wrap this up, not a lot. I think I'm looking forward to hopefully getting Carson Wentz back. How awesome would that be? You start out two and zero. You got through two games with Nick Foles. Great. Now you have Wentz coming back against the Colts. Uh, then you'll have the Titans the week after that. They're in one game, but they lost to the Dolphins and aren't looking amazing. And and apparently I saw Mike Rabel said both Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbard are going to play this week, which mm. what? I don't mm. know what that is. But uh, yeah. And then obviously Weird. the schedule kicks up with the Vikings coming down here. So hopefully, you know, the Eagles can get through and kind of, you know, bank these wins now because then it's going to get tougher, but you will be getting Wentz back hopefully soon and Alshon Jeffrey back hopefully soon. And that'll be great to see. And then maybe who knows, maybe even Chris Maragos and Timmy Jernigan come off of the reserve list at some point. And then obviously the guys on our IR as well. So hopefully they get this win. I think they're going to do it and yeah, let's, let's do it Two and L let's do it. I think this is a game everybody circled as a win on the schedule when it first came out at the start of the year, and we all know that when those schedules come out, things change quite a bit uh, as the season goes along. The games you think were going to be easy oftentimes end up not being so easy, and some of the tough ones don't end up being tough. So it'll be interesting to see if this is one of those games, if the Buccaneers are for real or not after their Week 1 win, and whether the Eagles are for real or not. I think they are, and I agree with BLG. I think Eagles win this ball ballgame uh, by, by 10 points here on Sunday. That'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio, episode number eight. For Brandon Lee Gowton, I'm John Stolnes. Everybody, enjoy the game on Sunday afternoon. That doesn't make sense. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly the Deputy Managing Editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, Lead Flyers Writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise 
the future of work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.